morning. Glad, glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, my name is Chad Vincent. I'm the community group pastor here at Fellowship Bible Church. So I also want to welcome you. A little bit about me. I grew up in a small town uh, east of Raleigh, North Carolina, about 30 minutes. And my dad was a football coach, a high school football coach. And one of my vivid memories growing up is um, my, with my dad being a coach, he was a member of the North Carolina Coaches Association. And so with that, on Friday nights, I was a little kid, if you've seen that little kid on the sidelines with the ball boys, or you've seen the football games, little kid runs out there and grabs the tee and runs back. That's my childhood right there. I grew up right there. That was me. Little runner, just running as hard as I could to get that tee and running back and holding those balls. Yes, sir, I got it. But every once in a while, my dad would wake me up on Saturday morning and say, get up, boy, let's go. And we would head off to, I was fortunate enough, you know, from a small town, we had North Carolina was right by our house, North Carolina State, Duke. And every once in a while, even though they might have not been very good in football, they would always play a, a ranked team. And so we would show up to a variety of stadiums, and my dad would, we wouldn't go to the normal membership, like the normal gates that normal people go to. We would go to what's called the coaching gate. And when you show up at coaching gate, my dad would, 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 would pull out his wallet, and he had his little ID. And it's a member of the North Carolina Coach Association. And with that ID, what happened is you fill this little clipboard, and all of a sudden, you know what happens? You get in the game for free. free. You get in the game for free. And when you walk in the gate, all of a sudden, this little kid, I'm still going, this is crazy. This is wonderful. And you don't just sit up in, like, the top section. You sit right where the players are. Like, you sit right on the 50-yard line. Right there about one row up, you're going, man, this is it. And it's all for free. And it's the first time in my life I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Membership means something, doesn't it? Membership means something because it gives you access to something not everyone has. Because while everyone else is standing in line buying expensive food that's overpriced, I was sitting there hanging out with my dad going right through the line. I ain't wait for anything. And I thought, man, that's the same thing that happens in life, doesn't it? Entertainment, Netflix, Roku, you pay a price, you get what? Access. Recreation, whether you're a golfer or you're a fisher or you're a hunter, they have clubs. And you pay a fee and you get access. You've been waiting on a, on a flight for an airline, and what they call it? All the platinum members. And I'm sitting there not getting up because I'm not a platinum member. All of a sudden, they get up and they go free. And every time you get on a plane, what happens? You walk by the what? First class. And you remind yourself, I'm not first class. And I, and I walk to the back going, I'm not first class. Everybody needs a good B-team player. And I'm a good B-team player. All right? So that's what happens. that You get membership gives you things. And so this morning, our passage is going to remind us Membership matters. And these writers, these readers in the Jewish culture, they needed to remember that membership mattered. You say, why do they remember that? Because turn your Bible to, Rome, uh, to Hebrews chapter 12, and let me show you why they needed to be reminded that membership matters. Look with me real quickly in verse 3. It says, look, don't grow faint. Hearted. Don't grow weary. That's verse 3. 
Monty preached on it last week in verse 12. Therefore, lift your what? Drooping head. Their heads were hanging down. Because you know why? Like you and I, they were discouraged about the circumstances going on in their life. And when they get discouraged about the circumstances going on in their life, they have a what? They have a thought. And the thought they have is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? As soon as our heads go down, as soon as we get faint-hearted, as soon as we get discouraged, the thought that is crystallized in our heads, in our minds is, is it worth it? And that's why their heads go down. And the next thought they have is what? I think it might be better off going back to what? What I used to do. I think it might be better off returning back and going back to my old way of life because this just ain't quite working out. And so right here in this moment, he interjects the fifth warning of the passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. Because listen to me, you and I need to remember, membership comes with privileges. You and I need to remember membership comes with privileges. We've been what? Adopted. We've been what? Forgiven. We've been what? Given an inheritance we can't even imagine one day. We have a lot to live for. We have to, and when things happen that we don't understand, we forget we're what? Forgiven. We forget we're what? Blessed. We forget we're what? You can go home. Adopted. We forget we have all these privileges because all we see is what? Right now. And not only does membership have this privilege, but we need to remember membership also has responsibilities. We have to remember that we're called to be obedient. Jesus said we're called every day to, to take up our cross and to follow him. We're called to deny ourselves, And you're like me. The biggest thing you got to deny is what? Your own selfishness. And that's what he reminds us of. See, we can relate. Membership has its privileges and it also has its responsibilities. And so first, let's look at the privileges membership has. Because he's writing to a group of people, the Jewish people, and they understood that, didn't they? They were a privileged people. Why were they a privileged people? Because it goes back to, to Abraham. We'll move that away for our trip. Abraham. He says what? They were called. You're blessed. You're chosen. Land, seed, and blessing. And imagine all the things they grew up hearing, stories they heard. You, like me, your grandparent, your aunt, your uncle, whoever read you stories. Your mom and dad told you stories. Everybody, somebody in your family, I bet, is an incredible storyteller. And they grew up hearing these stories. And what stories did they hear? Man, man, one day the Red Sea just... We were walking in one day in the desert, and all of a sudden, there's a cloud, and we wake up, and it would be food in the morning time for us to eat. Think about all the stories they heard. One time, Moses would hold up his hand, 
And all of a sudden, he held up his hand. We would win the battle. But as soon as he put his hand down, what happened? We would lose the battle. And all the story. And one day, there's a weird story about walking around this city. And we walk around the city, and all of a sudden, the walls just, we just shouted. And seven days, and all of a sudden, it came what? It came tumbling down. Can you remember, as a little kid, hearing those stories going, You saw that? Your great-great-grandpa saw that? Really? And that's what he's talking about. He says they were a privileged people, so he reminds them. He reminds them of the privileges. So let's look today, first of all, at the privileges we have. And he starts from verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire, a darkness, a gloom, a tempest, which is a storm, because I didn't know what tempest meant, so I looked it up for you. A storm, wild, violent, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. When they read that, they knew immediately what was going on. That was the giving of the law at Sinai. When God came down in what the Bible calls the Old Testament, all his Shekinah glory, all his weight came down. The character of God came down, and they saw who he really was, and they went, whoa. That's God. They saw him for all he was, and look at the scripture words. It was what? Blazing fire. Darkness, gloom. See, they saw him, they went, whoa, he's what? He's powerful. There's something special about that. Think about the most impressive thing you've seen and magnify that times a thousand, and there you go. They walked away going, that's amazing. And as they thought about that in all his glory, they thought, man. That's the God we serve. You see the connection? We have a God that's all-powerful. But they realized something, didn't they? They didn't have access to him. He was separate from them. Continue on in verse 20. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be what? Stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with. So when you see God in all his glory, you think, my kids will say, man, that dude is built different. That's a little slang for you right there. That dude is built different. See, he's different. And we better not treat this guy, this, this holy God, with contempt as somehow he's worthless. Somehow he doesn't matter. Somehow he doesn't fit into the equation. Oh, no, this God shows up and says, let me show you who I am. And what came to their mind is, man, this God is holy. This God is set apart. This God is worthy. This God Thank God is not like who? Me. 
So if something's not like me, they probably deserve, deserve my what? Worship. That's this God. See, what he does, he reminds them of the privileges. First of all, you've seen his power. Second of all, you've seen his holiness, that he's worthy. And that's a privilege to be able to see God like that. Because at this point, the law was good, the law was perfect, but it showed them. It showed them something, didn't it? And it showed them, I cannot measure up to this God. I don't have access to this guy because if I go approach him, what happens? I get what? Killed. I'm dead. I'm a dead man walking. And that's what he says. So he doesn't stop there. He continues on and says, but you've come to, but, look at verse 22, but you've come. And so now he contrasts, but now as magnificent, impressive as the law was, he says, that's nothing compared to the gospel. That's nothing compared to Christ's own son coming to earth and dwelling with us. You've seen Sinai. You get the law. You've seen all that. But now this Jesus comes to us and dwells with us. He says, let me contrast and show you something different. And that's the but clause, the contrast clause. See, but you have come. What does that imply? You have become a believer, you Jewish reader, you member of Fellowship Bible Church, you member of whatever you're a member. You, you, you're at church. You've come something different. You're a member, and with membership comes something special. You get privileges and benefits because, see, you thought, you were here this morning just at Fellowship Bible Church. But Ephesians 2 says you were dead in your sins, but now you're alive in Christ. You are seated and raised with him. And you thought you woke this morning just being in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You thought you woke this morning just coming to Fellowship Bible Church to hear a skinny guy yell at you. Oh, no, you've come so much more than that. Skinny guy got nothing to say. Ball-headed guy got nothing to say. Blue-shirt guy got nothing to say. You come to something special this morning because you've been raised if you're a member. You have a privilege. And he's saying, don't you forget that. See, membership comes with privileges. And you have come now to have full access to all the privileges. And that's why when you ask a lot of people, they say they're what? I'm what? How you doing? I'm blessed. Well, what are you blessed with? How are you blessed? Are they, are they talking about financial blessings? Let's hope not. They're talking about spiritual blessings. I'm blessed because I've been adopted. I've been chosen. I've been forgiven. I have purpose and meaning to my life now. That's what they mean when they say I've been blessed. They've experienced something. And then he goes on and says, this is wild because he gets really excited. You think I talk fast. You think I get excited. Oh, my goodness. The writer gets really excited here. So much so you have a hard time keeping up with him. 
And that's how it is when you're from North Carolina. You talk fast and you move fast. Because the faster you move and the faster you talk, people can't understand you and people can't catch you. <laughs> and so he puts a little North Carolina on you and says, I'm going to talk fast and I'm going to move fast. But I'm going to slow down this morning because I want you to get it. And I want you to understand the privileges. Look with me in verse 22. See, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to a innumerable angels in festival gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who enrolled in the heavens, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Did you catch all the privileges you have? I don't think you caught them. So I'm going to tell you real slow what they are. Mount Zion. You have come to the home of God. Heavenly Jerusalem, you have come and you have access to the city of God. Angels, you get to worship with the angels who when you used to see them, you would tremble with fear. And you would run away and you would bow down and not know what to do with them. Now you come to them and y'all worship together. You've come to the assembly of the firstborn. That's the New Testament saints and all of us under my voice have lost people that we love and cared about, and we said this to ourselves, we'll see you on the other side. We shall see you again. And it brings a smile to our face thinking about our grandparents, thinking about people we lost that we looked up to and go, I will see you again. It's not all over. I'll see you on the other side. You've come to God, the righteous judge. You get access to God. You come to the Spirit's of the righteousness. That's the Old Testament saints. You get to sit there one day around the city of God and say, hey, what's going on, Moses? How you been doing, Job? How's life doing with you? Ezekiel? Old Obadiah, you doing good? Old Zephaniah, how you been hanging out lately, Zephaniah? I didn't read your book, by the way. Good book, Zephaniah. Oh, how was that book? Right? Then you get to come to Jesus' blood who's more sweeter, more precious than Abel's blood. Abel's blood cried out for vengeance. Jesus' blood says, man, I've got peace and mercy. So you come to a place you have mercy. Is that enough to get you excited? That's the privileges they need to be reminded of because what happens? We forget. Because you're like me. Life is so hard. And so discouraging and so challenging. And I want everything in me all day long wants to walk around my head what? Down. And he's saying, get your head up. There's privileges that you have. Be encouraged. But he doesn't stop there. He says membership also comes, being a member of God, with responsibilities. And then he says, these are the responsibilities. How shall we respond? And he starts out in verse 25 with a negative. 
He says right here in verse 25, look with me. See that you do not, what? What's your word there? Refuse. To see that you do not refuse, and that's the command. See the writer saying, stay with me. See that you do not refuse him. Because I don't know about you, but when life gets challenging, the only voice, if I'm being honest, that a lot of times I hear is myself. And every time I listen to myself and my best thinking, it always gets, my best thinking always gets me where? In trouble. My best thinking always, if I only listen to myself, my own self, my own thoughts, that always leads me to a path where I'm going to do what? Go right back to what I don't want to go right back to. And so he says, listen, you've been providing alternative. The question is, who's speaking? Listen to him who's speaking. Well, Hebrew 1 tells you who's speaking. Who's speaking to you is who? Jesus. See, Jesus is the one that God's given us our last access to hear something. The Spirit speaking as well. Jesus speaking. And it's interesting to me that all the warnings in Hebrews go back. There's five of them. And they all go back to this thing called listening. Can I illustrate it for you? Pay closer attention to what you have heard. Chapter 2. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Chapter 3. By now, you should be teachers, but you were dull of hearing. Chapter 5. If we go on sinning after we've received hearing the word of truth, Chapter 10, pay close attention. Wrong verse. <laughs> See that you do not. That's the right verse. That's the fifth warning. You see? See you not refuse him. Don't listen to him. And so Jesus has this thing with listening. How's he speaking to you? I'll go back to my old church days, a little kid. You ready for this? I can't sing, so I won't even try. Jesus speaking softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling Calling, old sinner, come home. That's the oldie for you. And that's how he's calling. See, the idea appears to be if we keep intentionally, willfully ignoring that voice, one day that voice goes away. And I think he's referring here. He's giving a warning going to more so those who maybe profess their faith, but they're not really Christians. We call those guys and ladies posers. They're faking it till they make it. They're not genuinely invested. And he's saying, 
I'm calling, I'm calling, but one day you won't hear my voice, so don't deny it. And we know how that feels, because I've denied it in my will. I've felt conviction. I've felt things that I have not listened to that I should have. And then we do is we confess that. We return back. But if we keep on that willful pattern, he says in verse 26, here's what happens. Or later, I'm sorry, I apologize, 20, later, right in the middle of 25. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will they escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. He goes from a lesser to a greater argument. If you continue to refuse him, go back and think about Moses on the law. What happened? Well, you would die a physical death. He's saying, wow, it's so much more now because of Christ coming and the gospel coming. Now what happens is you die a what? A spiritual death. Woo! Be sober. Be mindful. I know it's not popular to teach, but it's just true. It seems to be true. And so look with me at the result of his speaking. And so when God speaks, he speaks with power. He speaks with authority. When he speaks, things happen. When he spoke, creation did what? It existed. When he spoke to Job in a whirlwind, what did Job do? Job repented. He's going to speak in the future, and when he speaks, a new earth and a new heaven is going to occur. When he speaks, because of who he is, things begin to happen. And here's what happens when he speaks. Verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. And so when he speaks, things will be shaken. And he gave you an illustration. He said, this is talking about Sinai. I showed you what happened at Sinai, but I'm about to give you another illustration. When I speak, things move. Things shake. But now he has promised he has promised yet once more. I don't know when you grew up how your household was, but my mom was a disciplinarian. And when she promised something, she delivered every single time. I would come home from school, raised by a single mom. I would get in trouble. She would call that phone. Back when we had the old school phones, you had to pick from the wall. I said, hey, she said, I promise when I'm coming home, boy, I'm going to deal with you. And every time she came home, guess what? Things shook. <laughs> Things shook. Like counterclockwise shaking. And I'm just trying to hang on. And that's what he's talking about. He's going to deliver his promise. Things will be shaking. And in our life today, he promised you yet once more, verse 26 in the middle, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. See, if you're like me, you love stability, you love predictability, you love control. And he says, man, I'm going to shake it all up. And not just at the end, guys, I've been doing that now. You ever had situations at work go on where you wonder what's happening? God's shaking. You stressed out, don't know what's going on. You have health problems, wondering what's going on. God's shaking. You have financial problems, you don't know what's going on. God's shaking. Issues you can't quite control going on. God's shaking. 
and he's trying to shake going, what? Am I enough? Am I enough? Response, will you trust me? The shaking keeps occurring. And then, the, then he repeats himself like a good teacher. He says again, uh, verse 27, this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of all things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. He's comparing instability versus stability. And the only stability, you know this, we all live in this world, that we have is what? In the world or in Christ? Is this world stable? They say, in one day, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. Revelations 18 talks about Babylon, the city, boom, gone. Second Peter talks about I'm coming out with fire and I'm going to handle it. Psalms 46, the mountains roll into the sea. And the only thing that remains is Revelation 22, the city of God, where the river of life runs right through it. And I want to go to that city where things will never, ever again be shaken. And so then he moves on to conclude our positive response. See, he moves on to the positive response in verse 28. He says, now we've seen the negative. Let me show you membership of God requires responsibility. And let me show you how to respond to this God who's worthy, who's holy, who's different than you and I. Let me show you what I want you to do. Verse 28, therefore, let us be what? What's your word? Grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be what? And so what happens, what he's saying is, when you look back at your life, one thing should hit you right in the face. You should be grateful for all God has done for you. And the thing you never get over, when I was a young Christian, I foolishly thought this, and I'll confess this to you. I thought, man, God is blessed to have me on his team. Man, what a guy. I mean, you, man, I'll get my gifts, my talent. Man, see how arrogant that sounds, how proud. I'm just telling you, it's my fault. Honest to God, and I'm a good guy. I'm a people-pleasing guy. I don't rage on people. Man, you're blessed to have me. I'm the model of the spirit of God right here. Look at me. You're blessed to have me, good guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what he's saying is, man, we never get over the fact that we have been saved. That Jesus and all his kindness, this is crazy to me. Do you realize he didn't have to do anything and he's just and good? He didn't have to do anything, but he chose of his kindness. And when I began to understand that and get that, that changed my life. I began to be grateful. And I never got over my experience of trusting in Christ. Because I began to understand what John Newton said when he said this. Again, I can't sing, but here it goes. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. My problem was I didn't think I was a wrench. I was a good dude. I was a wrench. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind in my own goodness, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, 
Life's hard, life's difficult, life's painful. We have already what? Come. T'was grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. Amen. Grace will lead us home. So what do we do? We look back and we're grateful that God saved someone like me. Because if you knew me like God knows me, guess what would happen? You wouldn't be sitting in these chairs. And if I knew you like God knew you, guess what? I want you in the building. I'd lock you out. <laughs> I wouldn't let you in. Because y'all nasty. <laughs> Just being honest. And then he says, the last thing he says is, man, therefore, let's be grateful. And then he says, let us offer God acceptable worship with reverence and fear. So the men of valor guys are here this morning, and their founder was named Carl Carlson. And he said worship like this. He said, tell me if I'm wrong here. He said, what you want to be is you want to be a, a giver versus a taker. And that's how you worship God. You become a giver versus a taker. And that's Carl Carson, Men of Valley, who did a mystery with. That's what you want to be. That's how you worship. You become a giver versus a taker of anything. And as we conclude this morning, going into the so what, I want to read verse 29 to you because it's kind of odd it being here. But I'll start the so what this way. For our God is a consuming fire. And what that means is, this morning, don't take God lightly. You can take me lightly, dismiss what I say, whatever you want to do with me is fine, but don't take God lightly. So if you're here this morning and you don't understand what it means to be a member because you're not a member, I ask you, I plead with you, Christ's death, his burial, and resurrection, fall at that. It'll catch you, man. Men, ladies, gonna catch you. Fall on that grace. Confess, turn, repent. If you hear the voice, man, don't take it for granted. If you hear any conviction at all, don't take it for granted. Act on it. And then if you're here this morning and you're a believer and you're like me, where you're going, how you doing? And I mean this for believers. So on a believer standpoint, membership has privileges. You need reminded this morning because you came in this morning with a droopy head. You came in this morning with weak knees. You came in this morning going, I'm not sure how I'm going to make it. So I need to be reminded of what? I've been forgiven. I've been adopted. I've been chosen. I have an eternal place called home that I'm going to. And then the other side, responsibility side, this morning, you have a righteous judge. And so on the philosophy side, I need to remind myself that obedience is required. I have to do something. Not to earn it, not to deserve it, but out of worship, I've got to respond. And everything I know within me wants to quit when things get hard or when things get good. I just want to stop. And so I can encourage you this morning to persevere. Persevere because God 
is a consuming fire, and we don't want to take him lightly. So think about that as Gentry plays and, and Monty come up in a minute. Pray with me if you would. Father God, I'm, I am struck this morning by how kind it is that you ever spoke. That you were willing to let us see you, hear you, know you. So Lord, uh, would you give us eyes and ears? Or would you give us tender hearts? that would be persistently attentive to you, to your word and to your spirit, to the activity that's going on around us. Lord, would you help us see it and uh, engage in it? Lord, whatever changes need to be made, I pray that you would give us the grace to, uh, to trust in you, to walk in obedience. Lord, I do pray for anyone who has yet to place their faith in you. Lord, I pray that even today, today would be the day of salvation. I thank you for this good, good word, beautiful encouragement, great privileges that we have as your people, and then the great responsibilities that you have given to us as stewards, as ambassadors us to walk faithfully in light of that calling. 